This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to I Hate the Fins podcast number three. Uh, we're with the uh, SB Nation Network now. We're a part of the the Finsider Podcast Network, I think is the original or the uh, official term for that. I'm kind of flying solo tonight, but I got a special treat here. Uh, my mentor, longtime friend at this point, really, uh, also a good friend, um, and not quite the OG Finsider. I think you're son of OG Finsider, technically, uh, Kevin <laughs> Nogle. Hey, how's it going, man? Uh, this feels like old times. We just talked it about that off air. It absolutely does. For, for those who don't know, uh, we actually, we did the, the first Finsider radio show. I think that was like April 2012, March 2012, somewhere in there. Yeah, somewhere around there. And then um, you were deployed. We did it, the show together and then oh. you were deployed. I don't know when that was, but then you left the show to me and then I ran it into the ground. And, <laughs> And then uh, the rest is uh, the rest is history. But I mean, the good news is you're back, and uh, for tonight we're kind of doing this show together. Yeah, so. absolutely. It really does seem like old times and a little odd hearing you say the "I Hate the Fins" podcast was surreal because it's not the right name that I'm used to you saying out of your mouth. Yeah, you're right. Like that's <laughs> that's not right. What are you talking about? I I also want to thank you because you are a Red Sox fan. Last time I checked. Yep. So you're uh, joining me when you kind of have a, an important game going on, although I don't think you're going to lose that series. So thanks for <laughs> make, making 30 to 45 minutes time for me. Not a problem at all. We'll get right into it. Uh, kind of uh, an amazing week for me, let me tell you. Going into uh, work on Monday, I had that Vince McMahon thing going on, that uh, <laughs> gift that's out there. Oh, my God. Uh, I... So, I mean, obviously everyone saw the game, saw us almost lose the game, and then come back in amazing fashion uh, against a team that really, for all intents and purposes, at this point should probably be 5-0. and um, The Bears, that is, not the Dolphins. But um, No, they should be 6-0. and uh, Well, they already had a bye. No, the Dolphins should be 6-0. and Oh, the Dolphins? Well, no. <laughs> I, I, wish that, I wish they'd be 6-0. and <laughs> but I mean, well, again, because I mean, this has been it's been an amazing week. It's been kind of a surreal week. I feel like a lot of things are getting away from people. I mean, I only I can gauge what's going on with this fan base on Twitter, which I mean, may or may not be an accurate way to take the temperature. Uh, we when they signed Brock Osweiler in the spring, everyone made jokes about it. I mean, the, the guys had a, an interesting go of it. At one point, people thought he was going to be Peyton Manning's successor in Denver. Then he kind of, uh, he kind of bet on himself and told, uh, well, he told John Elway to pretty much go to hell. And he goes to Houston. He gets eleven billion dollars to play for those guys. It didn't work out. Cleveland 
or Houston gave up a second round pick, I think, just to just to get rid of him. Yes. So I mean, like it's just been this roller coaster for. I mean, you have to feel for the guy. Um, and then he gets his and but it turns out like he just he murders the Chicago Bears and he did last Sunday too. I, I don't understand it. I mean, he really absolutely a hundred percent has the Bears number. It it's <laughs> it feels kind of like how the Texans have always had the Dolphins number for that whatever it was, seven and oh or something, start to that yeah. matchup. Yeah. So a lot of people made jokes when we signed Brock Osweiler, but we're in the you know, I mean, this team's fate is in his hands for the next couple of weeks. It sounds like it doesn't. I mean, he, it sounds like Ryan Tannehill is not going to be back for Houston next week either. So, I can't imagine. I can't imagine that they're going to. Um, they're going to rule him out this early this week, and then try to have him ready for a short week. I just, yeah, I think it's going to probably be give him those ten days or whatever it is after the Thursday night game, and see if he's ready by then. Certainly seems like Adam Gase likes playing games with that injury report too. He kind of so, does. So he's he, got a he patriots it up a little bit. I was gonna say he's like a like a young a young less curmudgeonly <laughs> Belichick without the without the disgusting hoodie that he wears. I was so, gonna say yeah, but he he doesn't cut off the sleeves on every shirt. No, no, he actually has some decency to him. Uh, so, so here's the thing: we are in full on Brocktober right now um are, are you buying it i mean is it something where i mean it's it's only going to take one bad perpor- performance for fans to throw this guy to the wolves or the sharks rather i guess but i mean I, where are you with this whole hysteria going on right now i think that it probably does it takes one i mean this feels like matt moore oh he came in he looked great and then the next week he fell apart and everybody was immediately back to oh we hate matt moore um, I I think Brock is better than Matt Moore. I think he probably has a few more games in him, but at some point we're going to see the Brock Osweiler that made Houston want to pay a second round pick to get rid of him. <laughs> Bad I, Brock. Right. And I just, I, I, I hope he goes out there. I hope he does well. I hope he throws for another 380 yards. I just, Part of me is definitely worried that Bad Brock is going to show up at some point. Oh, Bad Brock's going to be there. Um, if you think, but I mean, here's the thing: if you're looking to to get maximum production, if you're looking to squeeze it out of every part of this guy's near six seven body, you got to figure that Adam Gase's approach is going to be the way to do it because he is. I mean, and I talked about this on Twitter, and I didn't get a lot of uh, backlash for it, so I assume people agree with me. No one told me to go to hell. But um, with Adam Gase, I mean, it's almost to a fault how he protects his quarterback. I mean, yeah. And and if of anybody out there that's going to know how to use Brock, it's going to be Adam Gase. So, I mean, you're right. It's you have to trust Gase and trust that he's going to put him in the best situation. So what, what was your big takeaway from, I mean, just give me, give me a breakdown of the emotional roller coaster you went through watching that game last Sunday. Oh, it just, I, the, 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 the obvious takeaway was seeing Kenyon Drake sitting on the sidelines with the towel over his head. You know, that guy was just heartbroken in that moment to know that this Frank Gore had done everything for that offense and Drake had it to seal the game. 
and to drop that ball and just you know it's over. And then you go down and you know, knowing the Dolphins, knowing their history, Cody Parkey is going to just jab that dagger in the heart. Oh, yeah. And then we saw the Cleveland Browns again and (laughs) Cody Parkey missed the field goal and you just went, oh, we're alive in this. Okay. And to get a rookie kicker out there like that and have Sanders nail that kick, that was big. As much as football Jesus hates the Dolphins, I think he hates the Bears more. I, I, that was my big takeaway from last Sunday. You you probably know best out of any Dolphins fan. Oh yeah, it's, it's been a it's been just a faceful of a poo all the time with with these guys. Here's the thing, really. Um, and maybe it's just I mean, speaking of just being conditioned to feel a certain way. Uh, when Drake fumbled that on the goal line, which I had a feeling something when they got up and like on first and goal, I mean, uh, Gore takes it near the pylon. But I remember thinking like, this just feels too easy. Like, I mean, some, something's got to give here. So first of all, there's no shame in losing the football to Akeem Hicks. That guy's an absolute beast. He's done it to a lot of people. There's no shame in that. But when I watch Kenyon Drake pretty much in, emotionally implode on the sideline like that I started to think like is this guy like I mean is this it for him like is he ever going to recover from this uh and and it's obviously a valid question I'm glad that Gase went to him early in that game winning drive just to let him get some confidence back but I know that there was a lot of talk about why uh why go to Drake there and not let Gore finish that drive and I just Watching that, it just looked like either Gore had something tweak, become painful, cramp up or something, or he just was absolutely gassed and was done. Because that last carry he had when, yeah, he was near the pylon and you saw him just get up. The look on his face was just, I, I got nothing left. I can't do this again. And Oh, he was a, he was a horse on that drive. Yeah, he absolutely I mean, was. Like, and I just, I, mean, after- I think that's why they went to Drake. It was just... Gore was just he he needed the breather. I think they um he probably got a he looked like he needed a blood transfusion after that. Yeah. Uh, I mean he uh and I mean you, you saw Bears uh fans making excuses all week. I mean I don't mean to to generalize, but they kind of did about the uh, the weather down there. I mean the insane. I mean what was it seventy eight percent humidity? I think that was right somewhere around there. Yeah, it was eighties felt like right around hundred ninety seven to hundred somewhere around there, and then yeah, I think it was like seventy eight eighty percent humidity. It is literally impossible to find those conditions up here. It gets really humid at at pretty good temperatures up here. It does not and I am in the Chicagoland area. it does not I mean that's just not possible. so I mean, the bears clearly didn't handle it well, but if you think about Gore just going going total bell cow on that on that drive um yeah i thought he was just absolutely wrecked by the end of it i understood that um i'm not surprised that adam gase went back to kenyon kenyon's his guy i mean he said as much i mean especially when you think about like what this what adam gase has been through in terms of the whole uh jaya situation and everything i mean like he has definitely put all of his chips in on Kenyon Drake. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no way that he was going to sit there and just abandon that guy. I think also uh, I, two thoughts that I had while you were talking about the humidity and everything was first, the Bears were genius. I mean, to 
break out their alternate orange out of nowhere and say, we're going to debut and not to do it at home. We're going to debut our new version of our orange jerseys in Miami specifically because they don't want those Navy uniforms sitting there in that. No. It was that, that was a great, great move. And then uh, the other thing is watching, uh, watching Gore and now thinking about it, looking back on it, it kind of felt like that last drive felt like the end of games during Juan Stat and Ricky Williams, where Ricky's carried the ball 500 times a game and was just gassed. That's kind of what that felt like, that moment of Gore is just exhausted. Yeah. Um, Just such an emotionally draining game for so many reasons. And it's selfish to say this, but one of... One of the big things for me, especially when they fumbled on the goal line, I was just like, God, I don't want to listen to this at work tomorrow. Like, I got to deal with this for the next four years of the, you know, Bears fans just ridiculing. I mean, like, literally just bringing them back from the dead and then had Parky hit that. I mean, like, I mean, there's just so, so much poetic justice involved in that little, that little stretch right there where I was like, I don't know that I can handle this. But like I said, baby Jesus hates the Bears. <laughs> Because Parkey misses that field goal, and not by a little bit. Yeah, I mean that was a considerable it miss was off his foot. It looked wide from the beginning. And you know, I mean, think about all the stuff that went into before Gore went on that tear leading up to it. I mean, that absurd batted ball. I think um, Amos was on Amendola, and that ball gets tipped. It goes right to Kenny Stills. I love his awareness because I feel like I mean, it looked like he was waiting for yeah, that thing. It did. It it almost looked uh, like he knew what it was. It. If you wanted to design a play to look like or wanted to design a play where one receiver tips it to another, Kenny Stills had that look. <laughs> so, so just, I mean, off the top of your head, most berserk Dolphins win you've seen in a while. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. Um, maybe the Browns game where Parky missed twice or three times, whatever it was. That one was kind of wacky too but this one probably is there yeah i think i'm thinking back to some of the games where i was just like i can't believe that happened uh the one um the last time we were in pittsburgh in the regular season that snow yep. game i thought that game was that insane was- that one where t- i mean they so close to returning that ga- that ball at the end of uh, maybe to snatch maybe that. just because of the ridiculousness of it but the second bill's 200 yard performance by Ajay to have him do it twice on the same team. That was weird. Or the, the, oh, that game was the Reggie game. Bush game in the snow up in Buffalo. Yeah. Buffalo is on the receiving end of a couple and, of these. And I to think. go with weird bounces and stuff. I mean, the, uh, the Bengals loss this year, how do you bounce a ball off one player's helmet straight to somebody and then have a fumble go straight to somebody? I, there were weird bounces in that loss too. Yeah, I loved it though. Uh, something I um I don't love as much right now is Devontae Parker. We trading this guy? What is uh what is the the current haps with the situation? Because a lot of people, the rumor now, um a lot of people on the Finsider putting it out too that October thirtieth is uh, going to be the cap for this guy moving out it of Miami. Kind of feels like it's starting to get there that. The Dolphins, as much as the Dolphins say they're not doing it, that it the 
it's almost the there's smoke, so there has to be fire. And I uh, during the off season, there was so much smoke around quarterbacks that I I just from the beginning said this this doesn't feel right. It feels like there's too much smoke. They're smoke screening. They don't want the quarterbacks. Fast forward to this one. This feels like there's smoke and they're denying it, but it's not the same type of smoke. So I think there may be something here that they're at least going, hey, what would you give us if we went with this route? And they could absolutely be just using it on the, hey, we've got to find some depth at cornerback or defensive line or offensive line. So it's definitely possible. I'm going to be interested. I mean, it, I'm sad to see that it's going to, it's like, I mean, I, I don't see him long for no. Miami anyway. Um, I wish it, it would have worked out for obvious reasons. I we were all excited when we drafted him in 2015, uh, especially because, I mean, we had such a dearth at wide receiver outside of uh, Jarvis Landry at that point. Yeah. So, but I mean, I mean, just like, you know, Adam Gase is really into keeping the guys that, I mean, he's brought in, you know, he wants his dudes. I'm not sure where Devontae Parker falls on that on that scale, but I'm willing to bet that it's not gonna he's gonna end up on the short end. I just think that Ace so, wanted wanted to give yeah. him that chance and he has all the talent in the world. He just can't put it together. And if they can get something for him, because they're not gonna pay him that fifth year. That they're they're gonna rescind the fifth year option on his contract. They're not gonna pay him that. So I think you have to you have to see if there's something out there that you can get for him. Otherwise, I mean, I guess, I guess they can get a compensatory pick for him. Maybe, but yeah, I mean, if, if they're at the point where they realize we're not going to keep him around long-term unless he signs a much cheaper deal, then at least shopping him to see if there's something out there, somebody that'll bite that gives you something worthwhile. I guess it makes sense. That uh, 2015 wide receiver class has been kind of a cruel joke because it was yeah. supposed to be loaded with all of these guys. Now you see Oakland shopping Amari Cooper, uh, Kevin White. I mean, just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Although I'll say he is a beast of a downfield <laughs> blocker in that offense. I mean, not really, not really something you you a skill set you as you look for at number seven overall. But I mean, Devonte hasn't worked out. Uh, Doriel Green Beckham, you know, uh, Jalen Strong. All these guys, we, we we make this joke on the show often. The best receiver to come out of that yeah. class is Stefan Diggs. You know, and I mean, like, nobody was talking about that dude. I think he came out of Maryland in that draft, and people were just like, who's that? Well, it's funny how that, that position works. But so, I mean, on the other end of it, though, when they, when the whole Jarvis Landry thing went down in the spring, and then the Dolphins turn around, they bring in Danny Amendola, they bring in Albert Wilson, and it's like some people were laughing. I don't think anyone's laughing about that anymore because Albert Wilson has turned in just an, into an absolute axe murderer for yards after the catch. What Adam Gase said and what all the all the talk was that this team wanted to get away from the one focal point receiver and spread the ball around. And now we're seeing them do that and you're seeing guys respond. So you have the game where Jakeem Grant is out there blowing up plays and then you have Wilson out there blowing up plays or Amendola catching a bunch of balls or Kenny Stills doing Kenny Stills things. So, and I do think that the team needs a receiver that Devonte Parker could be. He's not it, 
but they need that guy that one will go up and fight for a ball and two provides the intermediate targets. So you have Amendola or Jakeem Grant or whomever underneath on the short route that can break it for extra yards, but on the short route, you have Grant, Wilson, or Stills going deep, but you don't have anybody in that intermediate area yet. And that's where Parker should be able to make money, but we know what he is. And I think that's where eventually Gasecki goes. He becomes that guy. But yeah, I just I was and, gonna say. And I think that the one thing 100%. that a lot of people don't a lot a lot of fans are frustrated with Gasecki not getting a whole bunch of catches yet. But I, I feel like and I've seen other people tweet this, but I feel like tight end is one of the hardest positions to transfer from college to the pros. And it's going to take a year or two or three before he gets it fully. I'm not worried about him, though. And, I mean, that's the NFL trend now. I mean, whereas these teams used to look for that big number one or maybe even a number two uh, receiver, uh, a big-bodied guy who can go up and get the ball. You see a lot of offenses now. Uh, Kansas City yeah. is the has been the poster child for this, where they'll they'll go small on the perimeter and then they just they'll just go ahead and detach their tight end and just pretty much he's their guy in yeah, terms of that skill you set. Have the speed our guys so have. You have the speed our guys have. Go ahead. That that would be perfect. This receiver core is stupid fast. Outside of Amendola, because I think Kenny Stills was a four three eight at the combine. Jakeem Grant's like near four two guy. Uh, Albert Wilson, I think, is a like a low. Yeah. Low four four, high four three, somewhere in there. I mean, like these. I mean, these guys just have speed to burn. So, I mean, it's, it's exciting. So, I mean, we go ahead and and then transition to this. To, now you got Detroit. The funny thing about Detroit is Detroit's really good at home. Detroit is, has not been very good on the road. And now you're asking them to come down and play in the heat. So another team that is going to have to deal with that. Yeah. And I know that you hear it a lot that. Hard Rock doesn't have a home field advantage. I've been in that stadium a couple times since the canopy went on. I mean, obviously, I don't get to go there as much as I'd like, but I've been there a couple times since the canopy went on, and that place gets loud. It gets really loud. Now, Miami is a winner's town, and until the team is winning, you're not going to get sellouts, true sellouts. So I, I get it, but... I know that that place can get loud and it can impact the game. So hopefully the bears win excited people. And that adds another piece to Detroit on the road. Yeah, I think for, for them, the the way they, they design that, that facility. So, I mean, the visiting team is in the heat. I mean, you, you could just watch that the bears were just dying on that sideline last Sunday. I mean, if they don't admit, if they don't admit, they're lying because I mean they kept showing shots of it, and, and that was just an uncomfortable bunch. Canopies up over them and trying to put them in shade, and yeah, that just that sideline bakes. And um, last year, I actually got to be on the field pregame, uh, and just and I mean it was already late September, early October ish, um, and just you can mm-hmm. stand right where the split is as the shadow comes down. And five feet on the sun side, you are sweating and dying. And you walk over to the shade side and you're like, oh, it got cold. <laughs> it, it was it was impressive how much that canopy does. I, I believe it. Um, 
one last thing, and we'll go back to the Chicago game for a little bit, because the one, I mean, it's great to win that game, obviously. I mean, you can never really argue with a win. But I find it incredibly frustrating when you score points and know you're going to give them right back. So do you think that that's just a case that Chicago's offense is as advertised because it was supposed to be good this year under Matt Nagy? Or, I mean, do you think it's a case of injuries because you didn't have McCain out there? Uh, You just had some guys who were just completely feasted on in that game. I mean, you didn't have Cam Wake. I mean, the pass rush was not good in that game. I thought the Dolphins' defense played well for what they had. And, yeah, it's – the the opposing offenses have figured out that you have to stay away from Howard. Don't throw towards him. Just let him take somebody out. And – the Dolphins are starting to do it where he's shadowing somebody, but they're not doing it all the time. They're playing more of halves. So at some point, Howard is going to be a name people recognize. I think the opposing offenses are starting to see it, but the fans aren't as much outside of Miami. So I think that that's what it became was McCain's not there. You have Howard taking out somebody, but then you just you feed on whoever's left. And that's what they did. And we saw McTire struggle and then Tankersley came in and he struggled. So I think that I I still think that Tankersley becomes the guy, but I just, I feel like, I feel like something, I hope so. Something hit his confidence and you, you take a chunk out of a cornerback's confidence and he's going to struggle. And I, I, I think he gets there and eventually you see him go out there on the outside opposite Howard and then you can slide McCain back into the nickel and you can slide Fitzpatrick back to safety. But I'm okay with where the cornerbacks are if McCain is there with Minka as the nickel. Yeah, you got to be crazy to play that position. If you don't have any, if you don't have swagger at corner, you've got nothing. And yeah, McTire was just absolutely just gashed in that game. So I just need to find a way to yeah, clone I, I, Xavier <laughs> Howard. I think that's if we can clone Xavier Howard and we can uh, we can get a so good right now twenty two year old Cameron Wake. I think we'd be okay for long term. <laughs> exactly. Let's we can get on. Even if yeah. you go and get like 2009 Cameron Wake <laughs> when he first came over, you know, I mean, I would take that. Oh my god, that guy was such an animal when he came <laughs> over from the CFL. Um, I mean, we're, we can just go ahead and keep it short tonight because I really, like I said, you got your playoff game uh, going on and everything. But we're gonna do um what I used to do on the old show where yeah. I'm just gonna fire off a bunch of questions to you. You can uh give me uh just you know. Just be yourself. Give me the answers that are off the top of your head. You can be as um, okay. detailed as you like. I've never, I've never been able to come up with a good name for this. So, I mean, we always come up with stupid names, like names that are embarrassing, <laughs> like the big finish or something. Are you spelling finish? Something incredibly embarrassing. Yeah. Oh, okay. fin is in, okay. uh, that would be all caps, obviously. <laughs> or, in, or in quotes, you know, whatever. It's it's embarrassing. This kind of stuff is embarrassing. But I mean, it's if we don't if we can't be self deprecating on this show, then we're not going to appeal to anyone. Uh, okay. <clears throat> I I think I know what 
I, I'll bet you I could answer a third of these questions for you and I might be close, but I'm interested to hear what you say anyway. All right, so we'll start. Ricky All-time Williams. favorite Finns player. <laughs> you threw me for a loop. I didn't think you were going to say that. I thought you were going to say, uh, uh, I, I thought you were going to go would, Taylor or if Thomas. If you gave me a only player only, because Shula and Joe Robbie probably would be in the um, Mount Rushmore. But if you gave me a Mount Rushmore of players only, it would obviously be Marino first. And then it would probably be Ricky, Taylor, and Thomas. Mm-hmm. That's probably where I would go. I know I'm leaving out guys like Zonka and uh, Morris. And I... I would argue Reggie Roby. I would argue Earl Morrill could have places up there, but I those would be my four. But yeah, Ricky Williams. I just I loved watching him run. I loved the dreads out the back of the helmet. I just I loved Ricky. Oh, Damn, Reggie Roby. Roby. Uh, I did not. I did not know. Yep. Oh man, with the the stopwatch and everything, what a killer setup. Uh, so in that Mount Rushmore, then Ricky obviously has just an enormous <laughs> stone spliff. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and there's probably a fan underneath him burning his jersey. I mean that that tape. <laughs> yeah, burning his jersey. Uh, the, the spliff is like obscuring like Shula's face. <laughs> and somewhere, Stat Juan Stash is yeah. just crying. <laughs> Yeah, right. And he still is adamant that he would have drafted Ricky Williams. So uh, I'm telling you, Jamar Fletcher's the guy, damn it. All right. Will the Dolphins ever go back to the retro logo and unis? That is the most roundabout topic that I've seen on Twitter in the past couple of years. It's amazing because I like yeah. the new logo. I mean, like, I don't like it more than the old logo, like the the classic one. But I mean, like, I think it looks great, like when they show it or... They show the head-to-head matchup or if they're on ESPN or NFL Network or whatever sellout station you're talking about. It looks good. I don't think you they think do. They're ever gonna I go think back that to the they retro. have found the perfect balance here that this new logo, um, I think they'll, they may keep tweaking the jerseys every five years. Um, I'd love the get rid of that blue outline and just go to the orange. It pops those numbers so well. But uh, I think that they found the perfect For balance, sure. especially now that – the league is talking about you can go to three times wearing alternate jerseys. So that would give the Dolphins, they could theoretically play the old jerseys against each of the AFC East opponents. Um, and they're talking about potentially you could have a second alternate so they could have the aqua and have the white. So th- there's there's things that the league is talking about that could help us see the uh, – the alternate jerseys a little more, but I think that they keep it as a retro throwback alternate jersey. And I mean, you have to follow the money. And where's the money going to be? You're going to have people that buy the current jersey, and you're going to have people that buy the throwback. If you make the throwback the current, you lose a revenue stream. My, you're <laughs> quite the capitalist. I did not know. And uh, I mean, I remember when they introduced those new jerseys. I think it was 2013, uh, right before the draft. And I I remember thinking like, that's a cool look, but I could not unsee yeah. that Marine blue that they had on there. And what really irritated me was that they used the blue right. to outline the player name. I, I hated that. Cause I mean, like when you think about it, when you think about the dolphins um, player or the, the yeah. nameplate, it's always outlined in orange. So I was like, what are you, what are you guys doing? That looks terrible. So when they deep six that yeah, thing, and- I was like, thank you. 
Like that needed to go in. You're, the funny you're right. Is, it looks so, so much better. I know that the Marlins, there's leaks of new logos and talk of them going colors and stuff. So Ugh. the Marlins are getting ready to change their stuff. And the two colors that seem to be popping up right now are some form of teal to give them a little bit look back to the original look and mm-hmm. a it's not quite a marine blue but a blue and i just every time i see that blue look i'm just like oh don't do that just go straight to teal just go to teal no. yeah black and teal was perfect for these guys in the first place i saw there's yes. one where they have oh. I, they want to put red in it those <laughs> logo oh man now you've gotten me started those logos yesterday that they they leaked they all look like stuff that you would find on like the red lobster menu just not a fan at all and i i mean i have been a marlins fan since you know that that team uh began life I in just, 1993 I, I mean you, you know i'm watching the uh red Sox four nothing lead right now in the top of the six i've got they are they're up four nothing on Verlander. are they up four nothing um brutal oh man I, i'm a Houston, red you're, Sox you're toast, and a rockies man. fan and I, I have three teams in baseball because I was a Nolan Ryan fan. So I still like the Rangers. I still root for the Rangers. But if it came down to it, I probably would go Rockies, Red Sox, 1-1-A, however you want to say it. But yeah, I, 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 I have a place in my heart for the Marlins because it's South Florida. And why wouldn't I? But yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. Some, some of those, yeah, the red, I don't know where that red came from. That's weird. It needs to go away. It looks terrible. Um, God, it's so ugly. And some of those uh, looks that they yes, had yesterday look like they're does, just ripping off the rays. Like they're trying to bring back the pinstripes, not- but it feels like rather than tying back to the pinstripes of the Marlins, it's Jeter Yankees ties. I, I don't know. We'll see. He's probably going to, he's probably gently sabotaging this team because <laughs> he's still bitter about 2003 when they went in there and just beat him down. So whatever, he's doing a good job. Uh, all right. Dolphins final record this season. Realistically, we got Brocktober going on right now. We don't know what, what's going to go on with Ryan, what's going to happen Before with Ryan the season, Tannehill. My what do you think? thought was Ryan Tannehill is two to three games better, just matchup to matchup than Cutler slash more. So you do two to three games better. That's eight and eight, nine and seven. <laughs> I probably, if they can keep this up, and whether it's Brock Osweiler playing out of his mind or Ryan Tannehill coming back and not playing injured, then probably nine and seven. Um, I could see them pushing to ten and six. I could see them falling eight and eight, even seven and nine, if more injuries keep happening. But no. I, I'd probably still stick with nine and seven. And that's safe. Um... We keep hearing about 2020 in terms of uh, that's going to be a better year to draft quarterbacks. Do you think Miami takes a quarterback early in 2019? Um, I like taking a quarterback every year. Um, I think they got the, a guy they really like in Luke Falk this year when they got him off a uh, waiver claim. So mm-hmm. I, I, if, if the wheels completely fall off Ryan Tannehill, yes, I think they end up looking early for a quarterback. But – I think that they probably wait to see what does Luke Falk become, what does Ryan Tannehill come become the rest of this year, and if you can limp out, and I, I say limp out, I'm not talking 
they go seven and nine, and then we're our, our best guess is five and eleven next year or something. Uh, but if they can get a second year out of Tannehill, right. um, then yeah, I probably would say waiting till twenty twenty might be the better option. Who is your least favorite Dolphins player all time? Ooh, um, least favorite Dolphins player of all time. Uh, man, I'm trying to think of people that jilted the Dolphins. Uh, probably uh, for just what it became, Dante Culpepper. Um, for what he became, <laughs> for what he became, maybe Wes so Walker. Um, but I like Wes. I, I never had anything. Um, maybe Damon Heward. I, I, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, least favorite. Uh, someone who jilted the Dolphins. Um, does Nick Saban count? I mean, that's going to be my all-time most hated Dolphin, but player. Um, I don't know. That's a great question. I'll come back to that one. I could. I couldn't. I couldn't do that to Dante just because. I mean, he was yeah, pretty much I mean, escorted it, off the practice field. It's not his field. fault. It's nothing against you know, him personally. Him. It's just everything that it became afterwards, and what we have seen Drew Brees become. And I know everybody says you had two shots at him. It, it's the draft. It's fifty-fifty. I mean, everybody passed on Drew Brees for a while there, so I, I can't say that one is really. Oh, they should have known. The second one, you should have known, and I get it that Nick Saban relied on the doctors, and the doctor said 20% chance with the shoulder, 80% chance with the knee of Culpepper, and they went with the percentages, and it bit them. I mean, it's not like we had Sean yes. Payton here either. I mean, I think that was a marriage. That, I mean, because I mean, New Orleans didn't draft him. I mean, San Diego and, drafted him. Yeah. I mean, like he had some and decent exactly. years. Exactly. They, so they let him go. So Drew Brees was such a great quarterback that he was passed up in the draft, and then he was let go by a team for Philip Rivers. Now, granted, Philip Rivers is a great quarterback, but he's not the all-time leading passer. And I think the other thing is that everybody nah. looks at what Drew Brees is and says Miami could have had that, but do we know they would have had that? I, you're right. It's a, a matchup made in heaven. I don't know what Nick Saban would have done with Drew Brees. Yeah. That's like when people talk about Matt Ryan, Matt yeah, Ryan wouldn't and, be here anymore. We would have screwed that up too. You know, it's a miracle that I mean, he was able to survive the whole Mike and Smith everybody thing, forgets you know, that, that that draft, it wasn't, out. Jake Long or Matt Ryan. It was Jake Long or Chris Long. It was it was not Matt Ryan. Matt mm-hmm. Ryan was a reach for the Falcons at three. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people forget that. I mean, I don't know that um, you see a resurgence in Matt Ryan's career after Kyle Shanahan becomes the offensive coordinator there. So, I mean, like, co- I mean, coaching and context will always matter when it comes to these players. I mean, like, it's not like this guy's going to come in and just do it himself, you know? And unfortunately we saw that with Ryan Tannehill, you know, I fear that we wasted his best years, uh, you know, with, (laughs) with Joe Philbin, with Joe Philbin undermining him, you know, allowing, allowing Ryan Tannehill to be feasted on by 
Miko Grimes and whatnot, and you know, not doing anything, not trying to improve the culture, you know, and that's sad, and that's always gonna that's always gonna be a disappointing thing for me as a Dolphins fan, knowing that I think Ryan Tannehill could have had a better go of it had he had quite literally any other and, coach. And, than, yeah, I think that, than that we, guy. we expect a player to somehow overcome his coach then what would really be the purpose of the coach? So, yeah, I think that you're absolutely right that Philbin, looking back on what we now know about the Joe Philbin era and the years and how much he did not trust Ryan Tannehill for whatever reason, he stunted Tannehill's growth. And that's why in year seven, every single person says, I don't know about what Ryan Tannehill is. And he allowed him to just take a beating, you know. So, uh, anyway, let's let's lighten the mood here. All time favorite Red Sox player. Hmm. All time favorite Robinson. Spurs player. We haven't talked about that. That's the reason that I became. Um, I do you don't. hate Kawhi Leonard? I, I think that he did them wrong. I really do. Um, I I I can't hate him. I think that. He got bad advice and he listened to it. So I, I think he definitely did them wrong, but good for him. They got they got some good stuff out of it. They they may have a down year. It may be not so pretty in San Antonio, but I just I'm more stuck on uh Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili. It it's weird. The the, the Spurs aren't the Spurs anymore. <laughs> yeah most crushing moment as a Dolphins fan we all we all have one what's yours uh, 62 to 7 <laughs> I don't even think of that anymore that, you know what? No, that's I don't think, just I don't think 62 I don't know. to 7 I was my most crushing game. I think Marino announcing his retirement with 62 to 7 as his last game was the most crushing Yeah, I knew I knew when that game was going on that that, that was it for him. So, uh, mine would be the uh, it was ninety four season divisional in San yeah. Diego. That's always um, going to be the worst for me. The twenty one what twenty one six at the, the half the meltdown with the um, Jets on Monday Night Football. That one that one was yeah that, that was one tough was bad two thousand that sucked. <laughs> I mean, we still edged them for the division that year, so it was kind of funny. That's usually what I use to bring up when Jets fans get a little familiar with that whole thing. It's like you realize that we so, still, you know, took AF, the just remember them, AFC so. East champions: the most Don't are the Patriots, the second most are the Dolphins, just remember that. the third most are the Bills, the fourth most are the Colts, and tied <laughs> tied for fifth are the <laughs> Oilers and the Jets. Figure that one out. I forgot about that. I love that. Oh, man. Just fans don't want to hear that. You know, uh, one thing that um, I wish we could. uh, And I've never I've never heard you laugh so hard is when we were in that thread that one time and that that Jets guy came in. He said, like, we needed to find a way to keep to keep Jake Long from sacking Mark Sanchez because he was going to rip him apart. 
and, and, then, and then they post and then all the Jets fans are like well now we're just going to start posting a bunch of ridiculous gifts and that one guy had the one where, where it's that guy coming out of the water slide and he like shoots right over the lip of it oh, oh so long ago but so still funny Yeah, I come in. He's like, "What? You know, it's like this team. Rex isn't doing enough. We have to find a way to keep Jake Long away from Mark Sanchez." The Dolphins are going to get the Long brothers. They're not brothers, dude. Uh, I, I know, and I, I also, I forgot about that. I also like how all like yes. the Jets fans just pretty yeah. much turned on that guy immediately. They're like, "You are humiliating us." <laughs> all right. Uh, making the jump from uh from well technically it's New Jersey but it's supposed to be New York to back to Boston. What's your most crushing moment as a Red Sox fan? Because you're not that much older than me, so I don't um, think you can say the '86 World Series. I don't know. See, that's that's my problem. Is I don't. I don't know. The the Red Sox are always good. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I think that's, <laughs> I thought, I thought that's where I was like thinking. That, that's the, the only Aaron one that Boone came to mind. But I'm trying to think there's got to be something else that would be more crushing. But I, I think it is. I think it's Aaron Boone. I think I think that one, that one um, has been rationalized for a lot of Boston fans because yeah. number one, the Yankees didn't win the world series that year. They got just absolutely demolished by the Marlins. And then the next year, I mean, you win it anyway. So strange prelude to orange it, I guess. Bowl. All right. Orange bowl or Joe Robbie. All right. Here's an interesting thing that I, I don't, I've never really heard anyone talk about this before. And I'm perhaps it's just sad that this is the case, but all right. Don Schill is the greatest coach in team history. Who's number two. <sighs> Adam Gase. <laughs> um, it's right. It's got to be close because I mean, some people I mean, will, some people would say Jimmy Johnson, but Jimmy took see, a team that go, went to the playoffs every year. I'd go Wanstad over and Johnson. made them not as good. Um. Oh, that's brutal. Because <laughs> oh, Wanstad I mean, at least ugh. recognized, hey, I've yeah, got I something mean, in Ricky Williams. Let's let's do this and. He ruined Ricky Williams, but he won with Ricky Williams. Um, let's see. Uh, Dan Campbell. <laughs> Man, Campbell. Uh, the thing about the thing, yeah, but I mean, I thought about this today. I was like, Adam Gase, some people think he's on the hot seat. He also might be the second um, best I, coach in the I history just, of this uh, franchise. What did I just do? Um, it's. Oh, um, I'm trying to think what the number is. It is. Three. I'm going to count it now. I just looked it up. Hold on. Uh, Shula. Okay. Johnson. Wanstat and um, Gase are the only coaches with winning records for the Dolphins, not counting interim coaches because Todd Bowles was two and one. So 
Philbin right. had a losing record. Sperano had a losing record. Cam Cameron shouldn't even count. <laughs> Nick Saban had a losing record. Um, and uh, George Wilson had a losing record. So you look at the four no, coaches man, that had winning Wilson. records, and it's Shula, Johnson, Wonstadt, and Gase. And what's what's that's, Gase? I, I gotta be honest, it's pathetic. <laughs> it's not. It's not as bad as being. It's not as bad as being tight. Well, right I mean, when, what they were ten and six the first year. Yeah, so they went ten and yeah, six, six and they were ten, six and so five hundred. So and, he's yeah, two games so. over five hundred because of this year. <laughs> so he's definitely close. All right, so now now I'm I'm pulling for now now I have more of a rooting interest, <laughs> even more so to see these guys succeed this year. Because I don't want to see Gase. I don't want to see that four turn to three. So I don't know. I thought about that today, where I was like, man. Adam Gase is someone that like half a Dolphins fans complain about all the time, and yet so he Wonstadt might be the second best coach. The second had. best winning percentage because Shula's at six fifty nine, Wonstadt's at five seventy five, Johnson's at five sixty three. Well, here's why Wonstadt's terrible. Because no, first of all, I had to, I had to watch that. Imagine because I watched that guy pretty much run the Bears into the ground, and then Johnson's <laughs> like, "Well, deuces, fam." And then all of a sudden, it's like Wanstead's in there, and I was like, "Oh crap!" Like you can't be serious. Cause I think that was summer two thousand when uh, it became clear yeah. like that was the or spring to summer where you're like, "Oh man, but, Dave so Wanstead's be our head coach." Johnson um, seemed to set it up for Wanstead when he said "deuces" versus Nick Saban just going "deuces." Y'all figure it out. I'm out. I am. I am, <laughs> At Alabama. I am not going Go. to be the next coach for Alabama. At Alabama, well, <clears throat> and then he gave us Cam Cameron. Man, what a what a turd sandwich that was! Just what a turnaround in terms of because they were picked to be a uh, Super Bowl contender in two thousand six, and then instead, I think they went uh, six and ten that year, and then Saban bolts. They, you get Cam Cameron, <laughs> who looked like the dad on Elf, and with with might know less about football than uh. Uh, the dad from Alpha. I actually have a little bit of inside info on Cam Cameron. Um, so I I know a couple of people who played with him at uh, Indiana. And uh, I mean, because the member of those talked about the fact right. that he was a quarterback at the University of Indiana and whatnot. And like the offensive acumen. Well, they, they were like, yeah, I don't know. I think he was a, like they thought he sucked at football, but he was actually like decent at basketball. So I was like, hmm, funny how that worked out. <clears throat> if anything, he probably should have stuck the basketball route because if if he had done so, then we don't get the one fifteen season, which is still the most humiliating thing I've ever felt as a Dolphins fan. Sixty two and seven was bad. I think one and fifteen might have been worse. I'm still stuck on this. Who is my most hated <laughs> dolphin? I'm still trying to Not come good. up with the right answer. I was gonna say I could I could feel you a stewing over there. Uh we'll, we'll we only have a couple of more questions, I think, uh, and then we'll go ahead and fold it up for tonight. I'm, I know the answer to this, but I mean, you can say it anyway. The AFC East teams, fans, you most enjoy trolling. It's the Jets. I mean, it's the Jets. Um, <laughs> I have enjoyed <laughs> over the past about year. The Bills fans are definitely up there, though. 
oh, Bills fans, especially once they made the playoffs, Bills fans and Bills Mafia, they come in droves. And it doesn't matter what you say. It If it in any way, shape, or form seems to hint that the uh, the Bills are bad, oh, they come hard. And I love it because I – I'm such a sarcastic, obnoxious dude in my life that like any of this is really going to bother me, but they come so and they, why are you taking this so personally? And then, I mean, our own fans are fun to troll too. <laughs> Cause you can, all you have to do is bring up Ryan Tannehill and you can absolutely get guys going off in left field and, oh it, yeah. But Jets fans will always be my favorite fan base to troll. Um, the thing about, I mean, yeah, when they made the playoffs last year and everything with the bills or speaking of the bills, uh, I actually enjoyed watching them humiliate themselves because they show up, they're in Jacksonville, they're slamming their girlfriends through flaming tables and whatnot. Yeah. They're partying with OJ down there. OJ showed up and tailgated with these guys yeah. and they're taking pictures with him. I was just like, you guys just do you don't let me get in the way. You go ahead and you just do what you're going to do because, frankly, I'm I'm loving watching this. I don't really want to see you in the playoffs. And, I mean, that game was awful anyway. But as long as they're not <laughs> rolling Thad Lewis out, I usually feel pretty good about, about, what, about uh, what we can do against back. those guys. I mean, we'll see. Um, I, don't, I, don't hate, I don't hate Josh Allen or anything, but I feel like that team is always just, just a, a second away from finding a way to just flush it down the toilet. So... Uh, the last question I have, and realistically, because this this question, this answer is different for everyone. How much longer do we really have to put up with Tom Brady, do you think? Um, two, maybe three years, unless he wins a Super Bowl. I think if he wins a Super Bowl, he rides out. I think he drops the mic, he rides out. I'm saying... I'm saying he retires after next season. I think he's got. I think he'll he'll play this season. I think he'll play next season, and then I don't know, maybe that third season. But I think that hopefully we're coming up on a point where we can we can watch him right off in the sunset. It would be cool if like we just you know yeah. like knocked them out of the playoffs or just like finished him off for good in terms of his career. I dare to dream. Um, that's all I really got though. Um, appreciate you joining me for this. Uh, sort of thrown together show but it was fun to reminisce a little bit and really go over what this team's got going on right now because it's kind of a circus i mean it's, <laughs> it's fun it's brocktober i don't really know i don't know really how i feel about brocktober but i mean i mean if they're winning yeah. if they're competing yeah, I, is that all we can really Sammy ask for Smith. right now so um, that, that well, might the be. thing about oh, that's the guy that you hate the most one. Um, cause I mean, cause you are, um, I don't, I, I mean, I see yeah. him do some stuff for the Thomas, Tom ass. Um, I, I love the stuff he puts on, on, uh, Twitter. And I almost, I, he and I were supposed to hang out when I was down in Fort Myers a couple of years ago. Um, but he, uh, when Kenny drank fumbled that ball, he was like, yeah. oh, I thought I was watching Sammy Smith. That might be. And I was just like, that oh, might be the right one. Brutal, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's such a good question though. 
And like five minutes after we finish this, a, a, a great name will pop into my head and I'll be like, that's who I should have said. <laughs> We'll go ahead and we'll edit the audio. We'll, we'll throw it in there. Uh, thanks to Kevin for joining me tonight. This has been I Hate the Fins number three. Again, we are under the... Am I saying this right when I yeah. mentioned that we're yep. under the Finsider Podcast Network now? Okay, cool. I wasn't sure if that's the proper term for that. Yeah, we're a part of it. Uh, Finsider Radio. And then uh, what's the other one? Uh, trying to remember what Finsider Radio, maybe? the blowhole, the blowhole, um, blowhole, that's you, it. and then uh, talking with Andy Samankis just started too. <laughs> okay, that's funny. I like that. That's a very proper yeah, it title. It sounds like like between <laughs> two ferns or something. I like it. That's that's see, that's another idea we, we could steal on this show. So uh, yeah, thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Kevin for joining me on such short notice. Uh, it's been great. Uh, so um, I think that uh, I don't know when I'm going to be able to go live with this show, but um, do it. Uh, I think it's gonna. We'll probably put this out on Saturday. I think, I think my usual Tuesday. day is yeah. two. I think what is it? Tuesday. No, you might be Thursday. Thursday, maybe. I don't remember. But I also have a baby. <laughs> I might be Thursday. Today's yep. Thursday. I can't. I can't go tomorrow because tomorrow, tomorrow's a blowhole day. Um. Yeah. Every time I think like, yes, I'm going to be able to get to early deadline this week, and then like babies are a lot baby of work. Stuff starts. I'm like, God, never mind. But. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's been amazing. Don't get me wrong. I love it. I would not change a thing about it. <laughs> but like, even when I'm down here and, and I can hear her fussing upstairs, I'm just like, I'm just like, ah, yeah. So, all right. Anyway, thanks to everyone for listening. Um, we'll be back with uh, episode number four next week. We'll talk to you then. So, all right. Anyway, thanks to everyone for listening. Um, we'll be back. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.